Savvy Lee. I'm your host, Coach Penn, along with the world's greatest co-host, Professor Haas. Today's special guest was able to dominate running between the tackles, making defenders miss while running straight to the Lombardi. Please allow me to introduce to you Super Bowl champion, three-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, Gerald Riggs Team. How you doing, sir? I'm doing wonderful, man. How about yourself? Thank you for Thank that, you. Uh, that warm introduction. But uh, yeah, I'm doing good, though. Good, yeah, good, thank man. you for joining us. Yes, sir. So glad for you to come on. Uh, hey, let's get the party started. Can you uh, do us the honor of introducing to our audience how you were introduced to football uh, and a summary of your professional career? Wow. You, you mean you want me to go way back there? <laughs> <laughs> way know, back I, in Louisiana. You know, I was I was a blessed young kid. I, uh, in the sense that I was... Um, I, I was smart, but I, I made a lot of mistakes uh, as a young kid. I was in the streets. I was in. I was doing a whole bunch of crazy stuff, uh, and there were people who saw me, um, you know, as I grew up, and were saying, you know, hey, you, you're not a dumb kid. What? Why, why are you out there doing stuff with some of these other guys or whatnot? I wasn't the kind that was falling behind people. Mm -hmm. I was kind of a leader. I wasn't. A, I wasn't a guy who was going to be, you know, latching on to gang life or anything like that. But I made some 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 turns that. Uh, I have to say, God had his hand on me. Uh, so, you know, I almost missed my blessing of, of football because oh. I was, um, uh, I was, I, I, I had a temper. I had, you know, I had some, some, um, some crazy ways of dealing with people. And, and when I was um, in, in school and talking about in junior high school, you know, I was more of a track and basketball guy. Football, I didn't want to do because I was, I, you know, I had, I didn't like people to hit them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, oh, yeah. I, I didn't want to do it. I tried it when I was like sixth grade. And um, my experience with that was that I, I got tackled and uh, got up and started fighting the kid and taking him out of his uniform. So <laughs> I, that, was, that was it for me. But then uh, fast forward now, go, uh, you know, all the way to my junior year in high school, where I, actually my sophomore year, I tried to play, but um, I was, you know, I was on a JV team and they, they, they moved me up to the varsity, but they didn't let me play because I was, you know, it was, it was kind of a written thing that, you know, under, underclassmen didn't really, didn't really start a play for the, for the, uh, for the varsity, but I was good enough to be up there on it. And then I was transferred to another school, which I, you know, I, I hated, I, I, I went kicking and screaming. I was mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm going to go over there and cause as much hate as I can. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's basically what that was me and probably three or four guys that grew up together. And we all had to go because of our neighborhood and the zoning and all that sort of oh, stuff. Yeah. So we went over there, man. We we went over there to to, to make a mess. And um, and through it all, um, I decided to go ahead and play football because I, you know, it was it was really wasn't nothing else there to you know to do at the time. I I didn't want to. I didn't like the you know the the, the track coach. I didn't like the you know the basketball coach, even though I still did it. So um, I, I I decided to go out my junior year, and man, I locked horns with it. The football oh, yeah. coaching and uh, uh probably about three games in the year uh after we had uh we, we, pardon me no i thought i said something but no about three games into the season uh you know i had gotten kicked off the team after we had had been losing all three of those games but i came in and played at halftime he would never let me play before halftime uh hmm. so i i would come in at halftime and we never lost any one of those games uh so the same thing happened my senior year locked horns uh, lost three games or the, or the first three games of the season. He would never let me play before halftime, uh, even though we would be getting mer mercifully beat. Uh, and as, as a result of that, uh, those three games, 
we never lost after I came in and played at halftime. So it was a, it was something that people were saying, you know, you have a natural talent to do what you do. Why don't you stick this out and make it happen for you and yourself and your family? You can get an opportunity to, to go to a school or whatnot and further the education and do all these yada, 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 101 million things. Uh, so that's what I did. That's what happened. And it's almost kind of like the, the apropos to say the rest is history. But uh, along the way, there was still a lot of challenges and things that I, I had to endure um, to get to the next level. And, and then uh, on top of that, being um, uh, in a running back stable, uh, full of running backs, full of running backs when I was at Arizona State. Um, we had, uh, and I was a fullback. Uh, and I don't think still to this day that there has been a fullback drafted in the top 10 in the NFL draft since the, mm-hmm. since they've started. So oh, yeah. um, I, was number, I was a number ninth pick uh, coming out that year in, uh, in 82 and uh, went on to have um, I felt a pretty decent career. I don't know about Hall of Fame numbers, but uh, I'm in the Atlanta Falcons Ring of Honor. Uh, and that's um, that's where I started all, and I'm happy with that. Okay. You got to be a bad man to get drafted number nine as a fullback. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> you don't you don't see it. You don't hardly you don't hardly even see tailbacks getting drafted now these days. Oh, as a fullback, it was a it was a great honor. Yes. Hey, uh, last thing while we're in your football in your career, I just want to touch on that Super Bowl run and what I witnessed. I, I kind of witnessed you single-handedly carry a team to a Super Bowl, averaging two tubs a game. They were putting up, uh, you know, they, I think uh, in a Super Bowl, they, you guys, uh, they let up, they let up 24. They put up, uh, they let 24 on them. But, man, your two touchdowns could have won them games completely with that defense they were playing like that. But you carried them. Yeah. I think that was very impressive. Well, I wouldn't say I carried I was, I was part of a very, very special team. Uh, Joe, Joe Gibbs had uh, assembled some old guys with some, with some young guys with some, you know, some very cagey veterans, guys who, who knew how to prepare, guys who knew how to go out and get the job done. Uh, so, you know, even though I didn't carry the ball as much as I wanted to in, in that Super Bowl year, I had gotten hurt earlier on in the season and uh, had, a, had a foot injury. And when I got well, Things had still been going well. I mean, we were still winning. Uh, Ernest Miner was carrying the ball. Uh, he wasn't carrying it at the rate that I would, would carry it, but we were still doing things that, uh, as an offense, we were productive. And Joe told me, he's like, Joe, you know, let's uh, let's just ride this and see how it goes. I know you want to start. I know you want to, you know, you want to be the man carrying the ball, but let's let's continue to keep riding this how it is. And you know, we're winning. So I'm like, you know, if this is going to get me into a Super Bowl, I'm all I'm all for it. Uh, let's continue to keep this going. And sure enough, we did. And even all the way up until the Super Bowl itself, um, they were kind of contemplating me starting, going back to the starting role. Uh, so we, we spoke about it. We talked about it the night before. And Joe made the call to say, you know, we're going to go ahead and we're going to stick with what we've been doing. And I, you know, I, a little, little bit, you know, kind of, I wanted to start that game. But uh, again, I, I learned to be a team player through what he had done. And he can, you know, I was all in when with Joe Gibbs was for what he was as a coach, but what he um, what he prepared us for, I, I was all in. So I, I was not going to rock the boat as far as that was concerned. But I really feel had I started that game and I can you can look back and, and say, ah, Gerald, you know, that's just, you know, maybe, a, you know, kind of a, your, your, your star aspirations or whatever, mm-hmm. I guarantee you. I would have set a rushing record that would still not been touched today because I knew that how, how Buffalo played 
I, um, I, I just from the time that I was in there for the few carries that I was in there, right. I, I, I cut them. I mean, like it was just a gash, you know, and I, I, I that was my game. I, that was a team that was built for a good pounding. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we, didn't, we didn't quite give it to them like we could have, but we still won the game. And that's all that matters, guys. That's all that matters. This is all memory, man. All memory. No research here. I I watched this. <laughs> you know, but, yeah, same here. Yeah, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I just want to bring one thing out real quick. Yeah. Because we keep hearing this reoccurring theme, right? We we talk about teamwork, you know, uh, and in our interview with Rod Woodson, he talked about playing for the 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 name on the front of the jersey, not the name on the back of the jersey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they talked about how the coaches helped to uh, really instill that in the, and, and you just brought up, uh, you know, Joe Gibbs. We, we heard a lot talked about Tony Dungy. And, you know, these coaches that really helped to help players to, to, play, uh, to play the game at, at a different level, but for a different reason. Because a lot of times, you know, when players come in, it is all about the name on the back of the jersey. And then you kind of have to learn to play for the name on the front of the jersey. And it seems like once you got, once you got that, then, you know, Super Bowl, here we come. And that, you know, so just hearing that and really, that really resonates with me. And I'm hoping that it's, it's gonna resonate with our audience as well. Yeah, that is, that is something, man, that is so, it's not, it's not spoken of as much these days because we've got a we've got a game full of uh, full of divas and hustlers and all kind of stuff that you know they want to go out and I know everybody wants to everybody wants to get that big contract you plan for two of them basically plan for that first one and you plan for that next one that's going to hopefully set you straight um, but you know if you get a third one then hey then you've been extremely blessed but you know in the in the grand scope of things. Guys have got to understand that they, if they want to, they want to get to the pinnacle of, of football, which is the Super Bowl, right. um, all the Pro Bowls and all the, the other accolades and things that come along, Man of the Year, and all those things are great. But everybody wants to play in that one game. That's right. And in order to do that, you've got to be able to find guys who want to come together for one common goal, and that's to win. And that's to win in a way in which everybody's going to benefit from it. It's not about you know the contract. It's not about you know, who's going to get traded. It's not, it's what we're going to do now this year, at this time. Uh, it's, year in, it's year in, year out, what you're going to do for this for that one time. And if you can if you can pull it all together, man, I tell you what, you can always look behind and say, you know what, I played in uh, a part of something. I was a part of something that was extremely special in winning a Super Bowl. And we, we won one of, uh, what is it, 450 now or something like that. I don't, I don't know how many Super Bowls there are. But you can say that you played in one and you won one. Uh, right. And you can get to another one, but you got to do it in a way in which everybody buys in as a team. There's no other way to do it. It's the ultimate form of closure also when you get that ring. Yep. Yes, sir. So since you retired, you've uh, been in many endeavors that were really based around helping others. One of the most notable was your work in the foster care system. Your foundation, New Life Home for Boys, provided kids opportunities that otherwise they never would have had. Can you explain your organization and what pushed you to join that particular fight? Well, because I it was I came here to Chattanooga to initially do some sports radio. Mm -hmm. uh, and along the way, I uh, got involved with a young man by the name of Lindbergh, who um, he was trying to help a lot of the underprivileged uh, kids in, in different counties and 
in different as different parts of the state. And it wasn't something that was based on really color or anything like that. It was it was about young men who he wanted to see them get on the right path. They didn't have any any uh, role models. They didn't have many people to follow after. A lot of them from from very difficult family situations, um, single mother homes, or some of them with um, with really you know live with grandparents or whatnot. It was it was very very uh, very touching to me because as I looked at when I tell you about how I was in so much trouble growing up, I very easily could have been one of those kids. I very easily uh, had a, a lifestyle or a such way or way of growing up which would have put me in harm's way of so many different things because I really didn't have any role model. I didn't have anybody to look after, to look up to, or, you know, I didn't, I, my biological father, I never knew him. I had, a, I had a, a stepfather who today, I love him like he's, like he is my blood, but, you know, it took a lot of, a lot of um, doing, uh, of, of talking and, and getting to know and trusting people, uh, trusting the, the, just, the, just the folks within your own circle. And a lot of these kids who were, uh, they were, uh, they had, they were basically beat up because of that. They didn't, they were beat up in the sense of, of uh, no trust. They were beat up in the sense of, you know, they didn't have anybody to believe in. They were beat up in the sense that they were, uh, they just didn't have anyone out there that they could turn to and say, hey, help, help me out. So we, we got together and uh, I got to, to know a lot of the juvenile justice judges here. Uh, so a lot of the kids who were going through the program, they had group homes, basically. Uh, and the state was really, at one time, really high on the group home program. And for whatever reason, some group homes uh, took advantage of it, I guess, in a way in which it made the whole program suffer uh, statewide. So, uh, but we, we had a good run at it. We did it for about 12 years. Uh, we put, I don't know, 200 and some odd boys or uh, a little under 300 boys in, in the good jobs. And uh, a lot of them end up being having good families. Um, there was something that along the way didn't make it, but that's that's what's going to happen. But you still, you don't, you know, you don't let just just one fall off the wagon and think that everybody else is going to do it. One may fall off, but you still got to keep on doing it and get it, get the rest of them going. And we had a very successful program uh, here until basically states, uh, all the states around here decided to, or uh, at least in Chattanooga, at least in Tennessee, I should say, they decided to uh, to pull those programs and. And no longer have them, and it's um, it's really a travesty that they don't have them anymore because there's an sure. awful lot of kids out there who need the help. That's true, man. Um, that uh, what you did and the work that you did, like I say, it single-handedly change could have changed someone's life, you know, for the positive, definitely. Because there's so many situations and the, stati the statistics of the foster care system once they reach adults, once they time out, if I'm not mistaken, it's what it's called, you know, so. Yeah, that 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 you know foundation it really really meant something, and we really need to get more foundations like that going on around here. You know, uh, yeah, we appreciate that. Yeah, we we've actually spoken of trying to, uh, well, I've been contacted about trying to uh, bring this back around because they, uh, with all of the things that are going on right now, this this day and age, yeah. um, there's a. Um, the foster care system have so many kids that are out there and sometimes those group homes will help just to be able to get some of those kids you know out of situations or when they when they're just kind of like in waiting or in transition or whatnot uh helping them understand what they need to go through and what they're getting ready to deal with uh with some of the group homes so we can kind of you know be a liaison 
for the foster care program if they were to bring them back. But I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. I'm I'm just kind of um, um, kind of sitting back watching. But uh, I know that it's something that's desperately needed throughout in, in this whole country. Yes, my wife also has joined that fight. You know, many times we we spoke about things that she's done to help, you know, and different plans that she has uh, in the future, you know, to bring everything together and keep that, especially focus, focusing on the timing out uh, uh, point up, uh, the timing out uh, point of it. You know, uh, she's been really a, a big advocate in that. Yes, sir. Age out. Yeah, timing out, age out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, she's been a big advocate for that. Uh, yeah. that so, we discussed also the act of adopting practices that your parents used in order for you, in order for, for you to raise your children. I think you you turned that coin parental passage. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Would you touch on that for a second? Yeah, I, I, I call it parental passage because we as, let's just put it this way, young folks that are coming up, uh, people who are aspiring to be uh, be fathers and, and, and mothers and, and, uh, and have a family. Um, we need to look closely at, and I'm sorry, I'm, and I, and I, this has really just been uh, tugged at my heart for a long time because of the black community and how we're brought up and how we're you know, brought up to raise our kids. I mean, not everybody is from the South. Not everybody is from up North. Not everybody is you know, from out West. And, and there's different mindsets along with all of them. But I think that from a, from a standpoint of, of us raising our children, we have a, a large uh, anchor to toe because of what society mm -hmm. has placed on, on us as a people. Uh, so we have to look at some things differently. Yes, we want to try to make equality for our children. We want to have all those things, for them, but we got to be understanding that we've got to raise them in a way in which our kids know how to, to think on their feet going. It's not just about sitting back and waiting for you know, for people to, to say something to, to them to react, uh, because we know that we got a lot of kids out there right now. I don't care what you, know, what you would call it, whatever, but they react to yeah. to the circumstances, to the situations, and whatnot. And that's all of those things come from at home. It's not just the teachers and the people in the school. It's what we do at home with our children. Which, again, as we have to look at and reflect back on what we have been taught and what we have come up through to prepare us for that parental passage to make our children better for the next generation. Not just to, to say, well, hey, I got my butt whooped when I was growing up, I'm not gonna whoop my kids, you know? <laughs> that's a whole different story there. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what I mean, because you know what, it didn't kill us. It didn't, you know, my mother was a very, very strong and, 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 and really uh, dominant woman as far as a, a household was concerned. And, you know, she got me and my brother, we, it wasn't, we wasn't getting away. <laughs> uh, and, you know, there was many times we was like, Man, I ain't never gonna do my kids like this. But you know what? When, <laughs> right. we, when, we, when we grow up, we still have those same things attached to us. Is it right, or do we need to do it that way? Maybe not. But then, in some ways, maybe we do. But it's all—it's all again. You have to look back and be able to find a way to uh, to make all those things intertwine together. So you have that level of discipline. You have that level of trust. You have that level of of um, of them making sure that they respect you. And, and it's not about a parent being a kid's friend. I've seen so many parents who are friends these days yeah. and they wonder why their kids do what they do and say that what they say and act the way that they act. And it's like, you had a, you had a big hand in this. 
Yeah, you definitely. Chose to do something. So we, I'm sorry. We gotta continue to keep doing a better job of that. Yeah, definitely. So that that would like I would like to segue that comment and that that answer to that question and the importance of installing moral and ethical values mm-hmm. in raising children. Yeah, yes, we also mean. spoke about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean uh, that's that's one of the things again that when we look at it, we've got to be careful of when we when we say about installing. Uh, the moral and ethical values and stuff is mm-hmm. not about morally and ethically necessarily rewarding them mm-hmm. for doing it. Uh, I mean, like these are some things that when you when you put in them, you should be. This is something that you should be as a as a young kid. I look at my parents and say, morally and ethically, they taught me some important lessons, and it wasn't like I was rewarded to just to listen to it. You know, it wasn't like I sat down and hey, they, you know, they, they, you know, if I sit and listen to them, to their moral and ethical conversations, then I'm going to get, I'm going to get new keys to a car or something. You know, it, it, it has to be something to where they understand and willfully uh, want to have compassion for what you're saying and compassion for what you, what you believe. And therefore, these things translate onto them. Uh, everybody will have their own opinion about how to raise their kids and I do this, and you you hear ninety nine million mamas say out there, "Hey, I'm raising them. I don't want to hear you know. I don't want to hear what you got to say. They my kids, all that." But they're not going to be your kids, they, they, you know, when they when they locked up. They're not going to be your kids when they get in trouble. You know, they they're still your kids, but you're not, you know, you 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 want to come in and defend them. And this is this is the area where it's like a it's a, it's like a, a a bowl of chili, so to speak, hot hot chili. You know, because it's like, you know, what do you do? You know, what do I say? You know, and, you know, the, the mother says that she's doing all she can do. The fathers, you know, say, you know, that they can't, you know, they can't control them or whatever and all that. I, I still feel that if they would start on a, on that on that day, that day one, mm-hmm. that day one, because guess what? A kid comes out of the womb and what's the first thing he experiences? Anger. Because he gets slapped on the tail and he gets he starts crying. So you got to train a kid to be kind. You got to train them sometimes to be to have compassion. You got to do all these different things as parents, as a as a kid is growing up, to make sure that you, when you see this, the signs and the signals of things that are to come, that you can jump right on it and do it in a way in which God's going to be going to bless you in the way that your kids should go. Train a child up in the days of his youth. That's it's, it's, it's word. Uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, it's a verse in the Bible that says, uh, uh, pretty much, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, you know, with, with the values and ethics that you instill in a child, once he goes out into the world, you still carry a hold on to those values and ethics. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's word. I mean, you, yeah, I know you, you're paraphrasing stuff too, but it's, hey, it, it's word. And and we are supposed to be um, God-fearing Christian people. Yes, sir. Okay. Right, we're going we're gonna to respect his word. You have anything else? Like to add on to that? Yes. No. I just, I, I just think that it's all good stuff because I, I, I'm a, I, I'm of that same um, school of thought. You know, I tell my son, you know, I, there's been times when I like with either one of us, it was like, uh, you know, they'll tell their mom, well, I, I'm mad at daddy, and I, and and my my response to that is like, well, it's good, it's a good thing I'm not trying to be your friend. Yeah. Because uh, you know, I, and and I tell, listen, I'm your dad, I'm not your friend. I need you to understand there's a difference. And so, you know, the thing is, is you hit it right on the knob. There are so many uh, parents nowadays that, that, that want their kids to like them. 
that want their kids to be their friend that they forget that that you're that you're rearing these kids yeah, yeah. I, mean, I can see an alternative to it also depending on how they were raised and what they were missing a lot of us also implement what we did not like or take away you know what we did or didn't like the way that we uh, were raised so it's a figuring out process especially if you're young yeah i mean and i tell people all the time as a parent your job as a parent is to screw your child up as little as possible and getting him to be a responsible adult. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, is you're gonna mess up as a parent, right? Every yeah, parent mess messes up, up at some point. Going, that's that's just the nature of the beast. But do yeah. but your your goal is to try to do it as little to, to mess your child up as little as possible. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's that, that's real. So um yeah, in addition, so you know. As I was coming up, I saw many parents, many young parents, you know, that need to figure things out. And so they, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people that could benefit from this conversation that will be going through or are going through uh, that, you know, being a parent young, you know, and uh, that, that's big information, man. I, I appreciate that a lot. Right. Yes. I mean, it's a, it's always a uh, somewhat of a wide cutter situation, but I tell you what, you know, parents need to have it more. Yes, we need we need to have it more as, as a people because we you know like I said you look at what, what we're dealing with now our our kids are, are ones who who were once kids who are now young young teens young adults uh, they're getting gunned down in the street you know and it's these are some things that we've got to teach them like I said again um, the the life is tough and you've got to have a, a certain degree of of toughness based on what you what you were raised at raised with, but then there's there's that sense of resiliency uh, in, in the fact of what your parents are trying to help you to come through. Uh, you, you know, we all want to come through these situations. We don't want to see another black kid die. We, you know, right. we don't want to see, you know, in a neighborhood, you know, we, we, we uh, I have to say, you know, we talk about, you know, Black Lives Matter and those, those things that are coming up and we were so quick to jump on law enforcement and all that sort of stuff when we have much more of a problem in our own communities with people killing Blacks, killing Blacks. Um, and we got we to gotta find a way to stop that. And that, again, comes from what we do with internally in our own communities to find ways and programs to get these kids to stop wanting to just be, I don't know what you want to call it, be cool, be seen, be respected. Um, uh, all these things, and and, and that is the, pretty much the parameters of what it what it takes for them to either go right or left and start a bunch of messes. Next thing you know, like I said, we have we have some more lives lost. Sure, definitely. So moving on, I uh, I asked this question. I love asking this question to a former ball player. The game of football, it it really shows your values and your ethics, you put this or put it on center stage. How much work you put in, you know, uh, the, the dedication, you know, communication, everything that it takes to be a successful football player. Mm-hmm. How did those ethics that you use to uh, progress in football help you in life outside of football? Oh, man, I'll tell you what, it's, 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 it's kind of, um, in a sense, it's just a little different when you look at football as opposed to maybe some of the things that go on in society. Uh, you know, I remember getting out of football and I was always 
I was always prompted with something with someone telling me that, hey, you know, you put that same kind of drive that you put in football in this job, then you're going to be just as successful and all that sort of stuff. But I had to always stop and stop and tell myself, there ain't nowhere in the world that I, I got to block Lawrence <laughs> Taylor, you know, on a daily basis or on a weekend, or I got to, you know, carry the ball for her in some time or, you know, during the season or, or even on a Sunday, you know, 40 times or whatnot. So it, it didn't, it wasn't, quite translated in that sense but you do have to look at it and say you know when you do have passion and, and desire to make something happen and to go out and put yourself on the line like like you did playing football then yes you possibly can but it's not the same and a lot of there are some guys who can make that transition uh on the field or off the field depending on what they do but some guys who you know who had a great deal of success in the game or whatnot when they're done with football they don't go on to do much else uh, right, it's yeah. very difficult to right. do so because it's not the same. It's still not the same. You don't have the same camaraderie in business. You don't have the same, you know, um, um, connections with, with, you know, with other guys uh, in there because mainly they, they you know, who's going to, I mean, am I going to sit there with a, you know, with a guy who worked at a, at worked at, a, um, you know, Cheerios or something tell me about football or whatnot, you know, yeah. it's, it's a different, a different mindset, but you do try to in, invoke all the things that you, have learned the discipline, the training, the, you know, the, the mental aspect, uh, the coaching, you know, trying to be coachable in the, in the next profession. You try to use all those things to get to really move on and stuff. And, and a large, large part, a uh, large amount of guys do, but a large amount of guys don't either. And I, you know, I had my struggles with it, but I was, you know, I was uh, able by the grace of God to, you know, to find other things to do. You know, there, there's, one of the things that I that I really wanted to touch on, um, and you know, I hear when, when I hear you talk about you know how how you prepared for football and whatnot. Um, at the beginning, when you were talking about how you got introduced to the to the game of football, you mm -hmm. you, you we heard a lot about your your uh, your attitude, right, and and the fact that you had got transferred to a school, you didn't get along with a coach, you you know you you were going that to that school to raise hell anyways, mm -hmm. and then. Um, but, but the thing is, is that at some point, you, and here's, here's the part that really, this is, this is the part I really want you to talk to, is not going in until after halftime. And here's the thing is that it, you can see that, that okay, this, this kid is special, right? This, this kid is special, but yet game after game after game, year after year after year, you keep getting held back. And see, there's a lot of kids that will throw their career away because they feel like this person is holding back, so they just going to give up. So talk about the, the mentality and, and the mindset that you have to have in order to, to be successful, even going through all of those obstacles. Two of the things that, that come to mind, uh, when you, especially kids who, are, who know that they have the ability to do it uh, and are very capable of going out and, and performing and and doing the things that are asked of them is that uh, A, is are they coachable? Uh, and, uh, and then B, are they resilient? Uh, because you're gonna need both of those things uh, when, you, when you go out there, because understand this, when you, kids who are coming up now who aspire to be, let, let's just say professional sports, okay? You wanna you want be you know, on someone's basketball team, football team, baseball team, you know, for the most part, you know, those, those big three. Uh, and you've got to be able to look at it and say, I'm trying to get to the highest level, but each level before then 
is the numbers are 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 crazy. First of all, uh, and they get more and more. Uh, they get they slim down even more and more before you get to the top. Uh, because in the NFL, there's only 1,500 jobs, 1,500 plus jobs. Uh, you know that you can get. In basketball, there's only so many. In baseball, there's only so many. And then you've got you know the minor leagues and all that sort of stuff before then. So uh, how resilient are you going to be when it comes to trying to make it? Because uh, I, when I go out and I talk to kids, and I, and I hope I get the opportunity to talk to them on a field, because I'll take a dime and I'll tell them, okay, this dime, you see it's all shiny and stuff. You know, I put the sun on you guys can see it in my hands or whatnot. Uh, and I say, but all you guys out here want to be this dime. So guess what? In this chosen profession that you want to be in, I'm going to throw this dime up in the air. And just think about all these blades of grass out here. Now you're in that kind of a bowl, okay? And what are you going to do to make yourself look special? How, how are you going to do something to make all the coaches from Power Five conferences, Division One, Division Two, Division Three, whatever you want to call it? You know, there's so many of them out there. What are you going to do to make yourself look special so you can play at that elite brand of ball or whatever it is that you want to, that you aspire to play? So look at the numbers. The blades of grass out there, how many kids are out there right now trying to do the same thing that you're doing? That's and right. as you as you try to make a ladder up to, to the next level, uh, it you know, it gets it, it gets cut more and more. It's uh it's less and less. Uh so therefore when it comes down to it, just like when I was in the draft, uh there was only so many guys that were gonna be drafted, but That's I was right. fortunate enough to be drafted number nine. Oh. Uh and I I did something special apparently to make myself look that when nobody ever even saw it coming. I didn't see it coming. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that would be. You got a scholarship mm-hmm. only playing a half of football. Yeah. That's well, saying something. Well, the, the other part of that, I didn't get a chance to go into it, but it only, it only happened for like the first three games of the year. That coach that I was playing for had an issue with the, with the athletic director, got fired. And I was able to start the rest of the season, uh, but that first three, those first three games, I I didn't know I was going to make it. Didn't realize I was going to make it at all. Uh, so, but anyway, again, anyway, anyway, this is what kids have to have to understand about trying to get to the next level. And that's not only just in sports; that's in business and everything else. You got to continue to make yourself special to get to have people recognize your talents, because unless you you know, uh, inherit, inherit a business all of a sudden and somebody's, you know, giving you, you know, 50 million, billion dollars or whatever, uh, you got to work your way up a ladder. You're going to have to work your way up and you're going to have to make yourself special at, at every level to attain the success that you want to attain. Uh, being coachable, being resilient, uh, being, you know, a, a person that can be, uh, you know, a character person that people want to be around and want to have as a teammate. Uh, it goes a long way. It goes an awfully long way. You can have all the attitude you want to in the world, but you better check it at the door, baby. Right. Absolutely. I appreciate that because that's what the, our audience needed to hear that. Yeah, definitely, man. Drop the nuggets the entire show. <laughs> so this question uh, I ask, uh, it, it, it's the French Potter Alliance has been very active in equality in the NFL. So I would like to ask you, what do you think that the what do you think of the minority hiring process or lack thereof, not just in the NFL, but in professional sports, period? Yeah, it's um, I can say they've done better. 
Uh, I think that they've they've made some strides with uh, with putting uh, some guys in position. Uh, could they have? Could they still do better? Absolutely. Uh, I, I think they still um, they still make for the most part the African American coaches have to jump through certain hoops uh, in order to get these jobs. Um, whereas still, I know and I've seen and and witnessed personally uh, some of these other guys just uh, kind of stand in the background, just don't say anything, just wait. We'll give you a, we'll give you a job here whether it's a little bit of nepotism or something, but it's, it's happened uh, and it still consistently happens. Um, so I think that, you know, they, um, they still can do a better job of it. They've made some strides, but uh, as you can see, you know, they, I think they, it's almost like they get to a certain point and they're, they're satisfied with it and it's not going to go any, get any better than that. Uh, but yeah, they have to say they've made some strides. Yes. I can't say that they have done that. Do they need to do better? Still? Yes. So, so, and, and, I, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with you um, because, I mean, you, you, you see it, there, there's definitely more that can be done. Now, what, what do you feel that, you know, younger athletes of today, right? Because, um, of course, I know growing up, uh, Coach Penn, you're probably the same way. Here's what you thought about. You thought about being like, like Mr. Riggs and, and, and scoring a touchdown in the Super Bowl, you know? You, you, you thought about you thought about doing things as as a player, but none of us really sit there and talk about being an executive. None of us talking about talk about owning a team. So, what do you think uh, we can do today with our with with our youth to help them to aspire for those types of positions or prepare themselves for positions like that? Well, it's it's I, I think it would be great to see some type of starter programs that way uh, to where, you know, when kids are going to school and they give them a, a, a certain uh, direction to go curriculum or whatever you want to call it, it's like, hey, um, and, and there's some who get into what they call sports management, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's sports management with, you know, kind of with a, uh, with a caveat that, you know, hey, we, you want to go to try to be an NFL owner. Uh, you, you're only going to go so far, but who knows? I mean, like you, you, you get some of these guys who, uh, who may be uh, business minded with entertainers or, 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 or other, you know, other athletes as a whole, get a, get a group together or something, you know, to pull their monies together to maybe one day be a, you know, some type of an ownership, but it's, it's something that I think that we, you know, we have to put it in front of their faces early. Um, and, and that may be that kid who's uh, you might consider a, numbers kid who likes to you know likes the, the aspect of, of management and all that um put him on that path to do it so it's a still unfortunate that you know that again when you look at the nfl as you know as the, the owners um it's like a well-guarded fourth most of the time uh and they they have, you know they're doing a better job i I'm martin mayhew you know he was uh he was the gm of detroit for a little bit very very smart brother uh, he's now at Washington. Uh, he's the general manager there now. Uh, there, there could be more. There are more of him out there. Yeah. Um, he, he was a guy who played defensive back, and he, you know, we, this was a kid who um, uh, I can't call him a kid. He's a young man who he knew what he was capable of, and they could not stop him from doing it. Now, ownership is a little different story because it takes a heck of a lot of bucks now. You know, they and they have. Um, 
they have that pretty much uh, wrapped up as far as who they're going to let in and why they're going to let them in. Uh, so unless you've got, you know, a, a, a ton of money, if you guys got some or whatever, I'd be glad to be your GM. But, <laughs> but I, you know, I it still is a very tough egg to crack as far as uh, professional teams and ownership. Um, guys have to come up with a uh, with a, a great business plan. Uh, and of course, the you know the financial aspect of it is a, it's it's phenomenal in terms of what you what you have to have you know with some of these teams. You know, when you see a team like Dallas being worth a billion dollars, uh, and there's other teams you know worth you know six or seven hundred million, um, you you gotta you gotta be someone who who's got all your ducks lined up. And we as a whole don't don't. Uh, I'm kind of still surprised that they have not they let some. Uh, some of our entertainers, for instance, be involved with some of the teams. Uh, Serena, uh, a couple of other, who else? Come Jay-Z. Up, uh, Jay-Z. Jay-Z, yeah. Him and a couple of the guys, you know, they, they've they involved with um, with uh, uh, Magic. You know, as a matter of fact, and being a part of one time, part owner of the Lakers and stuff. You know, it's it's like there's 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 always, a, like I said, a little bit, of, little bit of wiggle room to have them involved, but we still, we still have anybody you know, um, at the at the top of the heap, and that's gonna that's that's a that's a, that that comes down to uh, uh, the the financial aspect of it, uh, the business aspect of it. To find someone who who uh, who has put together had a plan, business plan, has a company or, or whatever it is that they run, to make it uh, to where when they see all the the income that you generate or business that you uh, that you put together, that they know that hey, this is a good this is a good thing. This is a good marriage here. Uh, and it's, it's going to take a while still to have that happen because they, they, I don't think they necessarily want, you know, an entertainer to be an owner in the NFL. They may have something to give them a little, 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 you know, a little snippet of something, but um, it's the same thing in all other sports. Um, so you gotta, you gotta, gotta come with something. You would have to, uh, they would want us to carry our way or carry ourselves, uh, you know, like Obama-like. If we got into that position, we couldn't do anything like uh, a Jim Irsay, you know, could get away with. You know, that person would have to be perfect in order to open the door for others. You know, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just, but I, you know, like I like what LeBron James is doing, where you know he's a basketball player, but the thing is, he brings in the type of money where he owns a stake in the Boston Red Sox. I think that you know our, our yeah, that that are that are. They're, they're making, they're getting the kind of contracts where they can pull their money together and 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 get a major stake in a sport that they actually don't compete in. And I, I think that yeah. we just, we, there, there's, it, the, there has to be a paradigm shift, right? Where where we become, where we, where we look past being the player to owning the team. And, and I think that's one thing that we really have to push, um, you know, and, and, and then also just like you were talking about, like having that program where, you know, you train people up because I know, um, you know, I, I was blessed with the opportunity to have a conversation with Frank Robinson, the late, great Frank Robinson uh, and uh, Hank Aaron, same time. And I know that one of the things that Hank Aaron always wanted is he wanted to see a, a black um, commissioner. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 so the thing is, is that how many of us are we talking to our 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 our, our athlete children about being a commissioner one day? 
Are we talking to them about being a GM and, and, or an owner one day? And so, like I said, there has to be a paradigm shift somewhere in there so that we can really start to make some moves in this era. Because as, until if we continue to just want to be the players and just strive to be the players, that's all we're going to be is the players. That's right. You and I totally agree with that. Yep. Well, Mr. Riggs, I know you have to get out of here, sir. I just want to thank you again for taking the time to spend with us today. And, you know, I'm sure your experience and your wisdom will be passed on. And, and uh, like I say, man, I just want to thank you, man. I'm just so grateful. Absolutely. Well, I, again, both of you guys, I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, it's always great to have young brothers reach out uh, and to get a little bit of a little few nuggets from us old guys. Um, <laughs> there's, there's some things that we can, we can pass on. We, you know, some people may say, you know what, they, they've been hitting the head a few times too many. I don't think you need to listen to everything they're saying, but, but some of us still got a little bit of, little bit of sense. And I, I, I'm one of those who, uh, I've been blessed to be able to, you know, still be able to, to conversate with, with young men and, uh, talk about some of these different things that are going on uh, nowadays. We, um, we are still, even as, as older guys, we, we, we still love to be able to, to see our communities come together, yes, see, see young men uh, reach out and uh, make a change for some of these other guys coming up underneath you. Uh, you know, it's kind of like saying, you know, well, hey, I'm, I was your father's player. Uh, you guys have different players now, and the children that's coming underneath you are going to have different players. So you guys continue to keep passing that man along. You're doing what you guys do. I, I, I appreciate it. I commend you guys. And um, I just wish you more and more blessings ahead. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. All right, boy. We we'll do it again another time, all right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, sir. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Maybe we can get some football season going or whatever. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. All right, sir. You guys have a good evening. Yeah, that's pretty good, man. Uh, like I say, someone who I can remember vividly, you know, uh, running to glory. You know us, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all over my lines. You know, uh, I, I just I'm I'm so blessed and thankful for that he was able to come on and help us out, man. And you know the importance of foster care, you know, and, and the importance of parenting strategically, you know, in order to get to maximize your child's potential. That's something that people really don't talk about. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and you know. Um, when he when he when he was talking about you know the the mindset that you have and he really talked about resilience you know that's another word that comes up all the time with our, with our guests right they talk about resilience the ability to bounce back that's right right like you know yeah you get knocked down but how do you bounce back can you bounce back harder that's you right. know um you know and, and here's and here's just a, a little bit of physics mm -hmm. you know uh you know when you when you push up against the wall until you push that wall with more force that it's pushing up against you, you'll never go through it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what you have that, that, and, and you're able to do that through resiliency. Yeah, so, man, um, that, I, you know, Mr. Riggs is, was a bad man. Like I said, bad I'm man. still <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad man. Boy. Bad man, but like, he scared me like, like Aaron Rodgers. Nine as, at, at drafted number nine, number nine overall as a fullback. Man, goodness. Hey, his boys are something special, too. Mm. When I was watching the Tennessee game, when I see the Rays on Jersey, I'm like, draft that kid. <laughs> <laughs> Before I even see him run, draft that kid. 
Thank you again, man. Another great show. We'll be doing it again next week. As always, it's a pleasure. You know, I, 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 you, you call me the best co-host in, 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 in the business, but but man, it, it, it's a pleasure being beside you. My brother. All right, until next week, signing off.